Hey, y'all. You're listening to Diagnosing Sitcoms and Movies, the DSM podcast. We help make mental health more comfortable by using Black movies and shows we know and love and culture to remove stigma. So join our convo with your hosts, Courtney Copeland, licensed mental health counselor. And Dr. B, licensed professional counselor. In West Philadelphia, born and <laughs> I'm just waiting for you to hit that report button. <laughs> okay, but you I'll couldn't even get it all out until you before you bust out laughing. <laughs> I know because I'm ridiculous. In <laughs> what? Where'd you get that from, <laughs> bruh? When I was younger. I used to sit in front of the TV and I used to try to do my head like how he does it when he's at the door. <laughs> so my sister and they all be like, do, do the thing, Rose, do the thing. And I'd be like, <laughs> look at all crazy. I still don't even know how to do it. My head's too big. <laughs> so did you know that the shortened, well, that's the version that we know is the shortened version. Yes. There's a longer version where, like, it takes us on the plane ride with him and all different yes. stuff. <laughs> Flirting with the flight attendant, everything. I was like, what? It's, wow. It's a whole music video. I'm kind of glad they shortened it, though, because that was a lot. <laughs> it was. It was a bit much, right? I was like, mm. We and don't need also, the whole rap song. <laughs> no. It also reminded me about how planes might have looked before 9-11. Ooh. Mm. <laughs> that plane was a little raggedy. Mm. He was on a soul plane. Yeah. <laughs> so, if you can't tell, we are talking about the 90s classic Fresh Prince of Bel-Air starring Will Smith as the title character because he was the Fresh Prince back then. Dr. B, did you love this show when it came out? It's my favorite. <laughs> And aside from that, surprisingly, um, this show was actually loosely based on a true story. So it is about um, Benny Medina, who is, I think, J-Lo and a couple other people's manager. He moved from the hard streets <laughs> and moved in with a family in uh, Southern California. And so this story was all about him. They pitched it to Quincy Jones and Quincy Jones saw Will Smith at a party and was like, hey, bro, five minutes. I need you to act out this scene for me. Go. <laughs> and he got it. So I just want to um, say how much I appreciate the the gifts that you bring into my life because because of you, I now have been spun around like at the beginning, like the bully did well at the beginning because I didn't know that it was humanly possible until we tested that experiment in the living room. (laughs) (laughs) And one time I came to visit you. Why did I forget that? And why is that even? Oh, my gosh, Courtney, you're ridiculous. I'm a giant child. That's why. <laughs> do that thing that they do at the beginning of Fresh Prince. He <laughs> was watching the episode. It came on. And I was like, is that possible? <laughs> Here, let me show you. <laughs> there were no drinks involved in this stunt, unfortunately, fortunately. <laughs> I was dizzy. If there were drinks involved, I'd have threw up. <laughs> You would have been on the floor. <laughs> it was turned into DJ Jazzy Jeff. You know, actually, <laughs> he, um, I was listening to his little uh, pandemic 
mixtapes that he was doing on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Yo, Jesse Jeff is nice. He's nice. Don't sleep on Jesse Jeff. (laughs) He was telling, stay your ass home. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. If you outside, you whack. (laughs) (laughs) So another song that makes me automatically think of Fresh Prince is stuck in the basement sitting on a tricycle girl getting on my nerve <laughs> <laughs> that is my shit so out of my mind i thought she was fine don't know if her body is hers <laughs> that was real that was so real like homegirl was like let me take this hair piece off here here you want on my nails look you the one that's hungry use your fingernails look look here 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 <laughs> <laughs> he looked so disgusted after <laughs> Did she take off eyelash? I believe, no, she took her contacts out. He said, that he was like, you done took off your hair, your eyeballs, <laughs> your nails. <laughs> <laughs> what else you gonna take off? Chad, listen. Ooh. That, that, that was probably one of the most, one of my favorite episodes. And then watching it again at this age and really realizing how young Gina was. That is mm-hmm. not her real name. Her name is Tisha <laughs> Campbell, but okay, Gina. <laughs> Gina! <laughs> That's always going to be her name to me. Sorry, not sorry. An episode to come <laughs> in the future, I'm sure. <laughs> Why haven't we thought about that, Martin? Because I really just want to have a really good guest to do, Martin. Honestly. Mm. Honestly and truly. I've thought about it several times. I just like, I, I want to have a really good guest to do, Martin. Okay. Is it you? Is it you? Talking to the listeners. Yeah. Okay. You got any other quotes? <laughs> <laughs> um, Let me see. So really, it was just mainly my episodes that I really love. Of course, the one you just mentioned. But of course, you know, it's not a good episode if uh, Will isn't making fun of Carlton, um, especially when he was talking about how pregnancy is so beautiful and he can't believe he came out of, he can't believe that he was once in a woman. And Will Smith was like, neither can we. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, which one do you have? I really like the interactions between... um in the early seasons between Will and Ashley with the mind your business that's all just mind your business (laughs) back up back up (laughs) (laughs) had that girl out there tweaking oh uh, no the other one was the very first episode was that the very first episode when she thank you god for this stupid food He puts out in that rap. Hey there, Lord. My name is Ashley Banks. My family and friends want to give you some thanks. So before this dinner's all swollen and chewed, thank you, God, for this stupid food. <laughs> I said, go off, Ashley. And she was in it. <laughs> and then she looked up at Will like, yeah, I did yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did that shit. <laughs> and he was like, no, not right now, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I liked uh, when Carlton and Will got suckered into taking off all their clothes, playing that game, and then the boyfriend came home. And they was like, this is just the dream. (laughs) We're not really here. Right, (laughs) right. (laughs) They were. Uh, Let me see. Oh, and then remember when um, 
Jeffrey plays as if he's Raphael de Ghetto. Can I tell you that that is literally my next quote? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Go ahead, take it away. <laughs> Cannon to the left of him. Cannon to the right. <laughs> Cannon to the right of them. Cannon to the left of them. Cannon in front of them. Volley and thunder. <laughs> Where the fuck did he get that? He was very committed with that stupid old afro. <laughs> I was like, isn't that your butler? <laughs> oh man, that was a good one. Jeffrey, Jeffrey always has some like little little uh punch lines in there too. I mentioned that in my diagnosis for him because yes, I did diagnose him. <laughs> you did? Oh wait, you know. <laughs> I kind of gave him a B code, so we'll 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 talk about that. <laughs> then I mean, we would be remiss not to mention. How come he don't want me, man? Something that I hey, you do. know what? You ain't got to do no nothing, Uncle Phil. Hey, you know, ain't like I'm still five years old. You know, ain't like I'm gonna be sitting up every night asking my mom when's Daddy coming home. You know, who needs him? Hey, he wasn't there to teach me how to shoot my first basket, but I learned, didn't I? Hey, I got pretty damn good at it too, didn't I, yeah, Uncle Phil? Did. Got through my first day without him. Right? Mm. I learned how to drive. I learned how to shave. I learned how to fight without him. I had 14 great birthdays without him. He never even sent me a damn card. Die with him! I ain't need him then and I don't need him now. Will. Now, you know what, Uncle Phil? I'm gonna get through college without him. I'm gonna get a great job without him. I'm gonna marry me a beautiful honey, and I'm having me a whole bunch of kids. I'm gonna be a better father than he ever was. And I sure as hell don't need him for that, because ain't a damn thing he could ever teach me about how to love my kids. How come he don't want me, man? Oh. Oh, that was such a sad scene. I still even tear up to this day. To this day. <laughs> to this day. Like, I don't know how to act. It was so sad. And then it made you mad because then it's just like, all you had to do was just tell him that you weren't going to come. And just, or just not come. He was doing good. He was doing good. And then every time that Will, I think learning that Will said that that wasn't what was in the script, that it was supposed to play out completely differently, makes yes. it even more impactful. And then when uh, James Avery, Uncle Phil, grab him and hug him like that, I'm, that's a real hug. And that that's damn hat, hug. he had to throw that hat out the way. Out the way. <laughs> I know. I loved it. I loved it. And <laughs> that was something else. So I know we you mentioned that you watched the, the reunion mm -hmm. before kind of getting back into watching the season or the seasons again. And I did the same thing. And one thing that I didn't know was that it was, you know, yes, in front of a live studio audience, but they treated it like it was like a like a real show. Like they would come in and, you know, have their moments together, do their little drum circle and stuff, and then kind of run out and introduce all the cast members and everything. Like it was like a little party type thing. So that happening live like that. Oh, and then... <laughs> The other fun one, um, you can't you can't do quotes and not mention Hillary, 
Will you marry? bounce like that (laughs) and then and so that was one thing that they mentioned was like they had to they couldn't control the audience laughter it was so funny and they had to like kind of cut most of the 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 response and like kind of tone them down because they were so loud (laughs) poor hillary and she wore black. I feel like she wore black for the rest of the season. I'm pretty she convinced. did because she was in mourning. That goes into my diagnosis part. <laughs> oh, gosh. Hillary. Hillary. Daddy, I need $500. Bruh, <laughs> that was her line. And <laughs> she was good at it. She was so good at it. She was actually like, Hillary, your cousin's here. Hi, Will. Daddy, I need $500. <laughs> what honey and then and then when she talks about going on some um like uh eco-friendly type of trip to save the world and shit and then she goes through the description of all these terrible things that they're going to be doing on this trip and then the bonfire the bonfire giant bus (laughs) and it was like i don't think any of those things are uh, environmentally friendly (laughs) like what she she always thought she had a cause. Always thought she had a cause. And it was like, like how she was like, you guys should be so proud of me. I found a perfect pair of gator uh, shoes to wear <laughs> to this what a swamp, whatever thing she was going to. Like, girl, that, that goes against the whole purpose of this event. <laughs> oh, my God. But that's I think a, a lesser, um, a lesser widely known quote that it just makes me happy i don't know if everyone else goes this way is when uncle phil because he does it twice throughout the seasons when he's thinking about food and he's butter drenched dressing turkey <laughs> with pillowy mounds of mashed potatoes <laughs> butter drenched dressing Tiny onions swimming in a sea of cream sauce. Oh. Oh, that sounds good, though. (laughs) The tiny little onions for me. (laughs) Or like how they they always got on him, especially um, Jazz, because he was like, so what what we eat around here? He's like, you're not eating anything. He's like, clearly you're eating everything. (laughs) (laughs) Got his ass thrown out the house. Uh. <laughs> that's a quote. Uh. Beautiful. That thing, that's, that's it. That sums up. There go quotes. That's the whole section. <laughs> I loved it. It was my favorite. Jazz said it got to the point where if he had on that one shirt, you know he was getting thrown out the house because he yes. didn't want to have to keep getting thrown out. So they just they would put right. him in that same shirt. <laughs> Jeffrey said, he's gone, sir. He rolled off the lawn and into the street. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, so can I ask you a question? Yeah. What happened to Ty? Ty came. It was Will's new, like, best friend. And they even had an episode about 
him and Jazz being the best friends and who's your best friend when they went on the show and they had to dress up in the flamenco outfits and Ty spent the night when uh, Belle Biv DeVoe came and I, I was trying to be in the video. Like, and then Ty just disappeared and we didn't get any closure on Ty. What happened to Ty? I like Ty. You know, I didn't realize that until you said something. He was all through like a whole season and a half and then boom, bonk. Damn. They ain't even mentioned him during the reunion either. I ain't say a word about Ty. Poor Ty. I ain't, has Ty. he done anything since? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he said, I was trying to get to my room. Ty, what was you doing? I was trying to be in a video. <laughs> That's hilarious. Now you got me looking like, what? Oh, goodness. Happened? We don't have to Google search right now. <laughs> Whatever happened to Ty? <laughs> Provide us an update at the end of the episode. Dude, <laughs> I got you. Let me just let me just take a look. Let me take a look. So, what made you bring him up? You just was like he just disappeared, and you he just disappeared, away. and you know I need closure. I need answers. I need for my characters to their storyline to to be complete. And when people just disappear or change after so many seasons, like Aunt Viv, ooh, I need ooh. answers. So do you think it was an Anviv type situation where Will's kind of like demeanor? Because, okay, I, I saw there were some things noted in the blogs that said that Will <laughs> was um, was kind of like a, a drama drama queen. Like, you know. He was a diva. A diva. And so perhaps Will's demeanor and attitude on set was not it for Ty. And Ty was like... <laughs> I'm out or I got the boot right there's no telling um no one knows because they they barely really wanted to talk about Aunt Viv so we really not about to get no answers on Ty I just like how uh Janet Dubois the black tress said if you (laughs) if you wanted me to kiss your ass you should have put it in my contract oh yes oh I can't wait to have a moment to say that to somebody Never. <laughs> Never, because I don't have it in me to say something like that. But that's it. I like that. I say it at home. <laughs> right. Well, to my friend on the phone. <laughs> Girl, you know what I'm saying? Shit. Yeah, I said as advice to you. I just, I don't think that you should, you know, say it at work. Yeah. But I would definitely be like, Girl, if they wanted you to kiss some ass, they should have put it in your contract. Oh, yeah. Okay. Let you have some problems at work. <laughs> Use that same line, sis. <laughs> like, you right. I'm going to go renegotiate right now. <laughs> right now. <laughs> line six, item seven, uh, ass kissing. <laughs> right. About that. Negotiable. Gonna, right. <laughs> Let's take that out. I don't want it. I don't want it there. <laughs> Just like when Jeffrey quit. Remember that? Mm. And uh, Phil, Phil was just trying to be real, like cheap with how he was paying him. I was like, he have to do that man like that, right? I still don't feel like they paid him enough. I would not they have didn't. been happy with that. And that other butler coming over there talking about he has his own uh, theater room to himself. I think he was lying. He was stunned. Yeah. He got the same uh, wardrobe and hundred dollar gift card that Jeffrey got. Okay, stop playing. 
<laughs> so you did not. What were the V codes that you gave for Jeffrey? Well, problems related to employment. Facts. <laughs> Big facts. Straight like that. <laughs> but then you said you diagnosed him. So that's V code uh, V62.29 or a Z code 66.9. Other problems related to employment. What did you diagnose Jeffrey with? <laughs> so I diagnosed Jeffrey with psycho cyclothymic disorder. And um, it's basically characterized as extreme mood instability and reactivity, and which are the key features of cyclothymic disorder. It, there are strange, rela- strained relationships with friends, neighbors, and coworkers that commonly oh. result from the instability and moodiness associated with this chronic disorder. And, <laughs> and so for some people, the symptoms are present for so long that the irritability and moodiness are accepted as being part of who they are. And they can sometimes mistakenly be diagnosed with borderline personality disorder as a result. And so common factors are that sometimes uh, type A behaviors may make them seem like the ideal employee where they are driven and have those specific like attention to detail type A behaviors. But the symptoms of irritability and temperament (laughs) can cause problems. And um, people with cyclothymic disorder may appear alternately charming and gregarious or volatile and very opinionated. (laughs) And so wow. the criteria that I feel like he felt he fit was for at least two years. There have been numerous periods with hypomanic symptoms that do not meet the criteria for a hypomanic episode and numerous, numerous periods with depressive symptoms that do not meet criteria for a major depressive episode. And during the above two year period, the hypomanic and depressive episodes have been present for at least half the time. And the individual has not been without the symptoms for more than two months at a time. And so we see him with the the clap back king. OK. Ooh, OK. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then we also Stay see with. him with the uh, the hypomanic symptoms of the with the play in the lottery and the obsessions that not obsessions but the weird vacations that he would go on where he would throw the wild parties with the maids chasing each other through the house and and the sexual (laughs) escapades that he would have when he got the room next to uncle phil and aunt viv um so possibly try to satisfy some of those things we see him throughout the show with uh various depressive episodes as well Um, especially the episode where this situation was kind of fitting because it was an extreme situation, but he found out that he had a son and being afraid of not being a quality parent and all of those things. And then afterwards, finding out his son was a no good two-bit thief, but (laughs) still Mm. accepted him anyways. But we do see um, him struggle with different things at times and him uh, will gets on the harmonica and sings that his butler got the blues and <laughs> my butler <laughs> is black. Dun, 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 dun. My butler <laughs> is blue. Oh, <laughs> but yes, yeah. okay. clap back King, his irritability and temperament, uh, causing impairment in his um, occupational functions. Social as well, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I didn't even think of of those behaviors as like something that I would die. I wouldn't have diagnosed him because I'm just looking at him just like, 
you're a living butler with these spoiled ass privileged mm. kids and adults mm. I think that that would be my temperament after a while is to like the, the clapbacks you know like Jeffrey bring me my tools you mean your fork and your knife like But that's also conducive or uh, goes with the diagnosis that it just be that people is so ingrained and it's so Mm -hmm. quick and often that people just think it's a part of their personality. Yeah. Yeah. So when you said that, I was like, okay, (laughs) that's me. Because I definitely wouldn't have seen. I would. Yeah, I would have had to. To pay attention a little more to that. So now that you bring that up. Yeah. And I like that diagnosis for him as well because of the treatment methods that are um, recommended. And so it's recommended Mm -hmm. on educating the family. So for this would be the Banks family, that Mm -hmm. psychothymic disorder is a mood disorder rather than willful behavior. And so it would help them rebuild the relationships that have been damaged by the unpredictable mood shifts associated with the disorder. And Uncle Phil just not being, need to stop just being so cheap. Right. And pay the man. Mm -hmm. Shoot. And then, I mean, maybe we could do some behavioral uh, therapy as well to try to improve his coping skills and better develop his interpersonal relationships because he was really struggling when he had with uh, D from the Wayans Brothers was his girlfriend. Oh. Please don't squeeze the Carruthers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, who else you have that you gave a diagnosis to? Girl, almost everybody. <laughs> really? I only have... I got Philip Banks and Hillary Banks. You got Envy okay. in there? So I have a little bit of everybody, but I think the biggest issue and I think the the thing that could have shifted the entire dynamic of the show um, would be potentially couples counseling between Aunt Viv and Uncle Phil, because I feel like they uh, there was a shift in their entire dynamic of their relationship. And it seems like they went from um, when they were young, having a whole relationship and viewing each other as equals. And then Phil um, moving up in his career shifted them into a more individualistic, European capitalistic social world where they were no longer viewed as equals. And then Vivian was trying to continuously take on new endeavors, such as bringing Will into the house, having the baby, teaching the African-American history class. Uh, When she took Jasmine Guy under her wing, she was starting all these different projects to almost like prove her her worth to herself because it wasn't being affirmed in her household or in her social circles at like the country club. And but Phil wanted her to fit in with those young housewives and he he wanted to fit in with his colleagues. And so he kind of resented the different uh, projects and that uh, led to him almost using Will as a scapegoat for them not fitting in or the discord like in their household instead of them really addressing those issues authentically. And so it seemed like to me that Vivian was constantly wanting the man and the relationship that she originally married. And it wasn't until they had the baby and the other kids got older that she forced Phil to look at the actual issues in their relationship. Like when she left for that one episode and then came back, like it wasn't until then that she really um, was able to even get him to engage and know like, this is our relationship. These are our problems. It's not Will. It's not me wanting to have another baby. It's not like, it's not all these outside things. It's me and you need to get reconnected and be on a level relationship because the thing that really made her leave was him trying to, or was running for office, running for judge without consulting with her. And it seems like that whole time that she just wanted to be equals again, like they were when they were younger and dating and first started in their relationship. 
Well, and I think um, to add to your point, I feel that he did change over time, especially when his mom comes in and Zeke <laughs> is, you know, um, ashamed of who of his origins and his upbringing. But then at times there was a little bit of a disconnect because he was from the South, but then he always claimed that he came from the streets whenever it was time for him to, to check Will and to kind of level with him and be like, I know what it's like to be from the streets and you weren't on the streets when we were marching and you just wear that stuff and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, okay, so I really do feel like he's having some issues with understanding his own identity and what he needs as well, because yes, she she's striving as well, but I feel like he's also trying to create the image for himself that he feels that he needs to have in order for he, for him to value himself. And so that's why he's constantly striving as well and not wanting to be Zeke anymore. And so I'll eventually kind of settle on anxiety disorder for him, but I was bouncing around the multi, the um, multiple personality disorder because there is Zeke. Then there is Alufame. And then there is Uncle Phil. <laughs> so you have these three different distinct characters that exist within your life. And while I think that's more of just an identity issue that he's having uh, as a result of his anxiety and finding his way throughout life, I think that um, him being Zeke and living on a farm and then being a Lufame when he was in the streets and being an activist and more engaged in um, causes. And then him being Phil, the professional side that is trying to, it seems to me that he's trying to integrate all of the identities that exist into one. And that is kind of his internal struggle. But I feel like that is a lot of anxious energy. I feel like it's an additional one too. And that's the code switch that you see that happens whenever he's with his white colleagues Mm. and having, you know, to... Oh, yeah. You know, and and even when he had who was it for that episode when he had the kids memorized? I think that was the episode I'm talking about with his mom coming to visit and oh, the reporter Mm -hmm. and (laughs) having them memorize all that information about him. Um, But that that, you know, that code switch that he goes through and to show that he is a judge and or that he is a lawyer and that he should be respected. And I think we all kind of experienced that. But also, I feel that we all have our different personalities as well that show up for us. You know, especially mm-hmm. there's times where we can be very childlike um, when we uh, when we are upset, when we're happy. That little person comes out at times, too. So um, I would say I would say anxiety. I, I settled on generalized anxiety yeah. disorder because I feel like the the anxiousness of having yeah. to code switch to the level of which he did is yeah. what drove him crazy and also not crazy. I don't want to say that, but it, it was his um his biggest presenting issue as well as it, it's the issue that created discord in his relationship as well that happened to code switch that changing what our relationship is and how we view each other and all of those different things. The moving into those um those predominantly white spaces is it it was uncomfortable and I think a lot of black professionals have to continuously deal with the realities of how to code switch and remain authentic how to code switch and not allow it to change your your viewpoints and your perspectives on things and change your identity and change who you are and so I think he was really struggling with that on top of just the the different um, anxiousness. And so uh, for generalized anxiety, the criteria that I felt that he met was 
Excessive worry and anxiety occurring more days than not for at least six months about a number of events or activities and the individual finds it difficult to control the worry and the anxiety and worry are associated with the following symptoms. For him, I felt like was restlessness or feeling keyed up or on edge, which (laughs) he was a lot. The being easily fatigued, the irritability, we definitely saw that come out a lot. And the muscle tension, he was always um, throwing out his back. I think some of that unresolved anxiety and stress was part of the reasons that he did suffer the heart attack later on in episodes, mm. coupled with um, his eating style, uh, eating habits. And I feel like eating for him was a way to try to calm himself down. He did find pleasure in um, a place of peace when eating. And so I felt like that was his coping mechanism that then turned into a maladaptive coponism because he was eating all the time. But we definitely see like the irritability and the worry, like when he was yelling at the boys, when he was like, excuse me, is this what you're telling my boy? That life is one big orgy? <laughs> well, college is hard work, son. And after that, a family, which is even more hard work. And a teenage daughter who doesn't want to be seen in public with you. And a wife, a wife who won't let you anywhere near her. And a butler, <laughs> a butler who may be the father of your child. And a gardener, a gardener. <laughs> dad. <laughs> you see that where you see that anxiety building and all these thoughts mm-hmm. and they're racing and they're coming at him and he's he has an inability to control it and so i felt like that's what i settled on for uh Uncle Phil. <laughs> to your point about his eating i actually gave him that as a diagnosis um unspecified feeding or eating disorder and this category applies to presentations in which symptoms, characteristics of a feeding and eating disorder that causes cl- clinically significant distress or impairment in social, occupational, and in other important areas of functioning, um, predominant but not meet all the, fr- the criteria for any of the uh, disorders in the feeding and eating disorder diagnostic class. Because of how much he ate and what he ate, I felt like, again, that adds on to what you were saying as far as the coping mechanism. What are your thoughts about that? I um, definitely agree in him using that as, uh, like you said, a coping mechanism to try to um, alleviate some or just calm some of that stress. I think if he was, um, if working with him as a as a as a couple, but working with him as an individual, we definitely would have to work on some mindfulness strategies um, for some relaxation strategies for him as well, um, bringing him in the present moment here and now definitely would be a primary goal yeah yeah and then for aunt viv i said (laughs) i said personality change due to another medical condition the medical condition being her being a whole different person (laughs) (laughs) she sure did turn into a whole different person i was like really (laughs) y'all And then, wow. like, we're not even going to address it in episode. We're just going to, like, have a joke about it with Jazz. And then that's, no, that's it. it. Okay. That's it. <laughs> I, I don't, I'm, see, I'm stuttering all over my words because I'm just like, why? Why didn't we figure out a way to better transition this? Mm. You know? Mm. And I hate to, like, say that colorism was a part of this but it kind of it was that it was like it, it's like you went from having a darker complexion woman to a lighter complexion woman and black woman and then you expect people not to notice the like what you, did you they didn't even try 
I am tired of us allowing this to happen in our sitcoms as well because it happened. It happened in Fresh Prince. It happened in Family Matters. It happened in My Wife yeah. and Kids. I don't like mm-hmm. that we just continue to allow like black brown skinned women to just be played later on as light skinned women and like we don't even get. Mm-hmm real transitions we don't get no explanation and why is it always from dark to light i've never seen it go light to dark so it's kind of whack and it's a lot of whack actually and i'm not around for it anymore and i'm glad that one uh the blacktress (laughs) has is at a better place about the situation and um her and will were able to have a sit down and kind of get to the bottom of things i don't think that her and alfonso ribeiro will ever mend their relationship he's publicly called her a bitch and Mm. i don't know if they could ever like get together even in the reunion when you see that she comes in alfonso is not there um Mm. so i think that they have some some further issues that they might need to work through but yeah yeah, back he, to the <laughs> he did a stand up uh-huh. and, and he did a stand up about her and said said some really bad things had some really you know bad jokes about her as a as working with her so yeah i don't know yeah not cool carlton but um yeah like and then uh the new nothing against the new lady i don't even know her name that's bad i'm sorry but i'm writing for brown skin aunt viv but the the, the second aunt viv like she didn't even play the character the same and so she, Evan said she seems meaner. Do you feel that she was meaner? <laughs> meaner and a little bit like whinier, um, mm. just a little bit like because all of the grace and not saying that the other lady didn't have the uh, the same level of elegance, but she was a classically trained actress who was also a dancer. It just has a different poise. And so yeah. when she was having the the interactions the um, and arguments with Phil, it just felt very different. It felt like a whole different, like a different person, which is why I gave her personality change <laughs> to, to another <laughs> medical condition, oh, but her no. being a different person because um, they they just weren't, they didn't play the character the same at all. Well, I didn't have anything for her because I was mad. I'm not going to lie. I understand your frustration, and I'm sure millions of Americans agree with you. And when she did that, everybody dance now. Oh, man, she had me. I was like, I want to learn this dance. (laughs) (laughs) She did that shit. (laughs) And then passed out. I said, okay, okay. (laughs) Yes, that is an iconic scene for sure. Mm-hmm. Yes. Definitely. Um, I just hate that she didn't get more roles on the in-between time in the meantime. Like she's getting them yeah, again now. Yeah. But um, then she said that Will said that she was telling people she was difficult to work with. And she was like, that's the kiss of death in this industry, especially for black yeah, women, especially, especially for brown skin black women. Exactly. Exactly. So it was nice to see that in the reunion and for that to to have happened because it's it's a it's it's a shame that it took that long but it happened when it needed to happen so i guess yeah moving right along <laughs> <laughs> who i did not give a diagnosis to was ashley i felt like she didn't have a no. diagnosis she was no. just spoiled like 
she was navigating those awkward teenage years where mm. you are trying to look at identity versus role confusion. So she was testing boundaries and trying different professions. So she was a model. She was a singer. She worked at Dippity Doo Dog. Yes. <laughs> she had um, very vastly different boyfriend personality types. So like each of her boyfriends were very different because she, like, she's mm. trying on. She's seeing where she fits, what her identity is. Mm. And of course, increased desire for privacy, which Carlton and Will continuously violated. But but, you know. Being a big brother. <laughs> and, you know, when I, when, you, when you say that, it makes me think of the episodes where one, where she is at the school and when it becomes a co-ed school with Will and Carl- Carlton, and she's starting to realize, oh, I got to dress a certain way for me to get certain attention. And then she comes into the cafeteria and Carlton talk about, who is that? And it's like, bro, that's your sister. She's like, your sister, man. <laughs> right. Like, come on, calm down. You, ugh. And then, um, with your young then, Lorenz Tate, Tate <laughs> chasing yes. after. Oh my God. I loved it. I love you so little. cute. <laughs> and then the next, the other episode, when she decides that she wasn't going to go to the private school anymore and go to public school, and Will dresses up like her dad. As if he's her dad. <laughs> That's a fake mustache. No, it's not. <laughs> yes, it is. No, it's not. We'll be ruining everything. And he, had he not gone back in the room, she would have been good. It's not. You know, but then that episode was really uh, eye-opening too. And that's what I also appreciate about these types of sitcoms back then, especially is that there was always some type of like message or something, some little cute hidden little gem in there to, to let the moral people know. of the story. A moral, <laughs> right? And so this was just one of those conversations and still is today the conversation about private schools versus public schools and the quality of education between the two. Mm-hmm. And, you know, depending on um, the education, public school is just as good, you know? And I think that public school does get a lot of um, slack because we don't always have some of the best resources. And also we don't have some, we don't have the money and funding that, that we should, because a lot of it is a lot of people are sending their, their kids to the schools that they want to send them to. And usually those affluent schools continue to get more money. And then the ones that they're, that students are not attending aren't getting the money because they're, they're sending them to the other school, you know? So it's really hard to kind of make public schools like an equal type of funding situation because of zoning and parents being actively involved in donating or providing funds or even, you know, grants and stuff. So it's uh, functioning in the way that it was intended. Our public schools were never um, designed. Our public education system was never designed for it to be equal at all Mm -hmm. or, um, equitable for everyone the fact that our public schools are the the money that they receive is based on the income tax that comes from the community that surrounds it is guaranteeing that the the more affluent neighborhoods will have more funds and have better opportunities and more access to things than other communities will especially um those that are in urban areas or even remote areas as well just the opposite problem but in urban areas you have you might have multiple families living in one unit whereas there's 
one property tax that's being paid for that one house. And there might be like four families living in that one home. And so that that you're getting less for more students. And then in more remote areas, you have less actual properties. They're more spread out. They're more spaced out. And so you have less properties, therefore less property tax um, coming in and then resulting in those schools not receiving adequate levels of funding either. So the entire system it was created to maintain uh, systems of class structure. And here we are. <laughs> right. Especially with them because uh, Phil and then him coming from a place where you likely went to public school. And here you are. You know, good. Well, Zeke went to public okay. school. <laughs> right. Zeke went to public school. Like, don't be left his pig tied yeah. up outside the, the schoolhouse. Listen, don't act, Uncle Phil. Gosh, so shady. But yeah, so that's those are the two episodes <laughs> that make me think about Ashley, especially just her identity and that identity crisis and role confusion type thing you were talking about. And her saying like, you know, I, I will inspired her to want to experience something different. And ever since he came around, she's been able to have different experiences and know what it's like to be in an affluent neighborhood, but also understand what it's like to be, you know, in a low income or having experience or knowing about those low income situations and issues that people are facing, too. So she she I felt like she was a little bit more balanced out of all the siblings. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> yes. Moving all right along to the next sibling, we have Hillary, <laughs> who oh, I diagnosed God. with. <laughs> <laughs> diagnosed with recurrent moderate major depressive disorder and so i feel like she was depressed even before trevor died i mean we she definitely admits it it talks about how she is working through things with her therapist after the um the death the tragic passing of trevor um and she's in, in mourning and bereavement and is wearing black throughout the rest of the entire season but um I felt like she was struggling with it all throughout, even before. I felt like those different causes and trying to um, kind of make herself seem important or engaged with all of these people was a way to her to try to make herself feel better. But it really wasn't working. Um, I think we first see it with her dropping out of school. Mm -hmm. I think that's when we first see it manifesting, even though that was in the earlier seasons. But to me, I see it continue even throughout where she's struggling to find purpose, where she kind of just happenstances, falls into her career of being a weather girl than a TV talk show host. Before that, she was really struggling with what was she good at? What was she offering to the world? What was what was her purpose? What was she here for? And then later on, even once having a successful job, having a successful television show and her being the host, it being called the whole Hillary show she still was struggling with purpose and then was like thinking about having a baby and that could be the thing that make her life whole because I really I just think that she was struggling with depression all throughout I think that the criteria that she fit was the depressed mood most of the day nearly every day the markedly diminished interest and pleasure in almost all activities, because I do think that sometimes shopping made her feel better, that retail mm. therapy. <laughs> mm. um, even though it was a fleeting thing, I think that's why she had to do it so much is because it would make her feel better in that moment. And then once the purchase is made, that that in rush of endorphins kind of fades away. But also the insomnia or hypersomnia, 
we didn't really see her uh, sleep a lot at the beginning because she was out and about. Like we thought that she was asleep and she was bringing in a gentleman friend. And then mm. later on, then she's in the bed more often after uh, Trevor dies and different stuff like that, as well as feelings of worthlessness uh, or excessive inappropriate guilt. She, we definitely see the guilt once um, Trevor passes and then the d- diminished ability to think or concentrate <laughs> or indecisiveness. And we see that. <laughs> with her regularly <laughs> mm-hmm. so i can understand that hillary but clearly was, you have something completely different <laughs> yes i do um first of all i loved her style in this mm-hmm. uh she was so fly super duper fly i was like oh i want all of her outfits but i would have diagnosed her with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder and so the diagnostic criteria says a persistent pattern of inattention or hyperactivity impulsivity that interferes with functioning of or development as characterized by one and or two. So for one, you need to have, as far as inattention, you need to have six or more uh, of the following symptoms for six months. So this is based off of watching the entire series. So often fails to give close attention to details or makes careless mistakes in school, work, at work, or during other activities. So one of them being when she had to work for Queen Latifah. And although uh, Queen Latifah was a really bitchy boss, she did make some careless mistakes. Why was Um, Queen Latifah like four different people on this show? (laughs) But here's a trivia about that. She actually, that was her first acting experiences in the the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air outside of music. And so, so they just that, brought her back every season yeah, that like, somebody knew? <laughs> Let's get your crown and maybe no one will notice. <laughs> this Let's season you'll wear one. This season you'll wear it to the left. This season right. you'll take it off. <laughs> right. They won't know. Like, <laughs> I tell you, they're interesting. Um... <laughs> often have difficulties sustaining attention in tasks or play or play activities. So staying remaining focused during lectures, conversations. So you see her go off on another tangent or just not even care <laughs> what someone is saying. Like when she was being introduced to Will. Hi, Will. Daddy, can I have her $500? Like that's just where she is. Often does, does not seem to listen when spoken to directly often does not uh, follow through on instructions and fails to finish schoolwork chores or duties in the workplace. So that makes me think about that Thanksgiving episode when they were supposed to make Thanksgiving dinner. She failed miserably. She did not follow they through. They all did. They all did. Okay. Okay. But <laughs> Carlton and that soupy, what stuffing he made? <laughs> Ashley dropped the biscuits on, wait, was it biscuits or the sweet potatoes on the floor? Ain't no telling. Something. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, often avoids dislikes or is reluctant to engage in tasks that require sustained mental effort. So I think that's why she chose the careers that she chose because it didn't really require her to. And then even like when it came with her talk show, someone mentioned that she needs to talk more to to the, a certain audience, the black audience. Oh, girl does. Phoenix. Phoenix. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I was like, what in the hell? <laughs> she really brought a white woman up here to model African clothes? What? She missed the mark. She missed the mark completely. <laughs> okay. 
um <laughs> Yeah, so for me, I felt like a few more of these as far as like is often forgetful in daily activities. I don't know if that had to do anything with her her grief, but it was just like, oh, okay, I'll worry about it later. You know, like that's how that's the kind of attitude or persona that she kind of gives. If she doesn't, if it's not on her radar, it's like, okay, well, well I'll get to it later. Or Jeffrey, Jeffrey do it, you know? Um, I don't so, yeah. think this is an either or instance. I think this is an and also. I think she very well may have had ADHD. She just also was depressed. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it could be that, like both. Mm-hmm. And even like because when I think about it, I'm thinking about her behaviors and mannerisms before Trevor, too. Mm-hmm. So perhaps the ADHD was there before Trevor, and and then the depression set the onset of the depression. Probably. I think they both were there the whole time. The whole time. Okay, <laughs> we can we can make it that way too. And as far as like the severity, I would say um, it's mild. It causes minor impairments, but it's not something that you know is completely severe. I think that my biggest thing is that why I don't often bring up ADHD. Like I don't think I've mentioned it since our like our proud family episode is because clinicians like licensed mental health clinicians often don't have the credentials to fully diagnose for ADHD. Mm-hmm. And so it's something that I try to, you know, yeah, keep in mind, but I'm always like, that's a medical diagnosis that you need a full evaluation for because you do have to rule out a lot of other things in order to make that diagnosis. But I'm glad mm-hmm. that you brought it up today because I am a, a psychologist in training now, and eventually I will be able to um, render that diagnosis. And so I do need to pay more attention to it. So I'm glad that you mentioned it today. Yes, yes. There are some other di- differential diagnoses that could also be related to it. And one of them being depressive, a uh, depressive disorder could be something that, that to consider when diagnosing. But of course, the first three were the oppositional defiant disorder, which I don't think she has, uh, mm-hmm. intermittent explosive disorder, and other neurodevelopmental disorders. So none of those fit, but um, nah. definitely either anxiety disorder or depressive disorder. But then even for that, I wouldn't give her anxiety disorder. I don't think so either. Cool. Staying with the siblings, let's move on to Carlton. You know, surprisingly, I did not have a diagnosis for him either. Only just that he's annoying as fuck. It's not unusual to be loved. I want to die. (laughs) That little leg, he had that, he had that routine down. And then, you know what? I was watching this, uh, this episode of Explained about dance uh, phenomenons or like, you know, dance culture or trending dances. And they were saying that it's really hard to copyright certain dance moves, especially like the TikTok dances that people mm-hmm. aren't getting credit for. So he actually went to court to see if he can um what is it? What am I looking for? I'm reaching and I can't remember. Trademark, copyright. Trademark. Uh, Trademark okay. and copyright on that particular dance. And because of how the law is kind of written, it says that it, it's too vague. Like it's too open for, mm-hmm. you know, interpretation for it to really be his work even though he is the originator and creator of that dance. I mean, in the streets, everybody says the Carlton. 
So, so he got it. He got it. Yeah. He yes, he unofficially it's coined the Carlton. I don't I've never heard right. any other explanation of it. It's right. solely the Carlton. Yeah. So hopefully it it stays that way. But, you know, with time and trends, it may not be the case, especially like, you know, it, they gave the example of the Charleston and how that kind of that movement came about. And then. It, it 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 didn't get its credit where it was meant to be, which was within the African American community. So, yeah. Well, okay. that's you know, that's America, <laughs> right? Right. Right. So yeah. you know, there's yeah. uh, most uh, creative things uh, started in that community and then were taken and you know co-opted and named something slightly different and sold right back to us at a higher cost. So there's that. But um, because I think of hopefully the 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 pop culture influence that the show has, the existence of YouTube and things like that, that it will remain the Carlton for a very long time. Um, surprised to hear that you did not diagnose him, though. However, I did because, you know, I'd be diagnosed happy <laughs> on this it. show. <laughs> Narcissistic personality disorder? No, a different cluster, actually. But yes, personality disorder, the same. Ooh. So I diagnosed Carlton with, uh, I was, at first I was reluctant to go here, but then after going through the criteria a little bit more, I said, yes, this is where we need to be. I diagnosed him with obsessive compulsive personality disorder. I don't know if this is a characteristic or a criteria feature that exists within, um, OCPD, but I think that everyone that we've diagnosed with OCPD have very interesting uh, tastes in wardrobe. And so I think that was the, <laughs> the highlight factor that made me think about it. I was like, hmm. <laughs> okay. Uh, and so the actual DSM diagnostic criteria that I felt that Carlton meant was um, being preoccupied with details, rules, list, order, organization, or schedules mm-hmm. to the extent that the major point of the activity is lost. And so then each like, time that they had a special trip or something, Carlton had everything planned to the T. And it was like, the mm. point of the trip is to relax or have fun. And he was like, no, here's my list. It has to follow these things. Um, <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> when, when they went camping and he had a whole living room full of things, like, where are we putting all of this? <laughs> He was talking to his little recorder day one. (laughs) Um, Is excessively devoted to work and productivity to the exclusion of leisure activities and friendships. And so Carlton didn't really have a lot of friends, especially in high school when his sole purpose was to get into Princeton. And so like he really struggled with that for a while. The only leisure activities that he really had were those that he felt like would look good on a Princeton application. Um, He really wasn't engaging in things for fun he what was about just his doing acapella them. group. His acapella group was... He needed extracurricular activity. Mm-hmm. His debate team? He needed an extracurricular activity. These are all things that are going on a Princeton application. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is over-conscientious, scrupulous, and inflexible about matters of morality, ethics, or values. I felt like once he had decided that the world was a dangerous place when Will got shot, it was very hard for him to oh, yeah. to process that and to deal with it because of the rigidity and the inflexibility that he had with the way that he saw the world before and after to the point where he had to go get the gun um, and then didn't want to give it up. But that polo jacket that he had on that day actually was fly and I would have wore that. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> um, going forward, just reluctant to delegate tasks or go or to work with others unless they submit to exactly his or her way of doing things. When he was the manager, um, when Tyra Banks just disappeared too, and Carlton yeah. then became <laughs> the manager of the uh, the Peacock Den, whatever that place yeah. was at the school. <laughs> And him and Will got into it because Will wasn't doing stuff the exact way that he wanted him to. Mm-hmm. Um, money is viewed as something that is to be hoarded for future catastrophes. He was definitely always concerned about his inheritance, how much money that he oh, would get yes. when his father died. Yes, yes. <laughs> and remember when he got them to do that stupid um, investment and that uh, him and Jeffrey, him, Jeffrey and Will, they and they pawned Aunt Viz's bracelet to get the money. And then they go mm-hmm. on TV and realize the company is out of business. Oh, <laughs> gosh. Yeah, yeah. And okay. then um, lastly shows rigidity and stubbornness. Now, the only thing that kind of gave me the hang up was um, his inflexibility about matters of morality and ethics was his um, kind of worrying, troubling addiction to gambling. Like Carlton really had an issue with gambling. Yeah. Yeah, low key. And I think that also kind of ties into that episode too mm-hmm. with with pawning that bracelet. Yeah. <laughs> and with the mm-hmm. slot machine to getting beat up. And then when they went to Vegas and he hawked all their stuff and cashed in their flight tickets, all types of stuff, oh, stole all the Will's money, everything, because mm. he was hot. But um, <laughs> mm. That might just go along with the inflexibility and stubbornness where he just doesn't feel like he has a problem in that area and refuses to address it. But yeah. that's what I got for Carlton. Um, I, like I feel like he actually, with the identity and role confusion, because we do see him also go from uh, adolescence into adulthood. I think that he handled that well and met the milestones. It has a really strong sense of self. From, even from the beginning, earlier episodes when Vivica Fox is Will's like date and he's and Carlton yeah. comes and it's like your behavior is unacceptable. Unaccept- <laughs> yes, yes, and she's like, oh, uh, <laughs> he checked me. <laughs> Everybody was shocked. Carlton, <laughs> and then uh, Jazz tried to pull that on Hillary later in the episode. <laughs> I feel like it might have worked on her too. <laughs> But yeah, like he was so focused on getting into Princeton, like that he messed up his original opportunity to get into Princeton and had to go to that fake university, whatever, Los Angeles, whatever that fake school was that they made up. Um, mm-hmm. ULA, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. But uh, he had to go there in order to transfer to get into Princeton because of his obsession with getting in that he messed up his opportunity and then had to go around mm-hmm. about way of doing it. Um, I think if he was my client, maybe we could do some schema work um, to try to help him develop some new core cognitions and maybe like reduce his levels of unrelenting standards mm. and increase some flexibility. <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe that or ACT because ACT therapy is all about, um, they feel like the core issue that people, all pathology comes from inflexibility. So either one of those, just trying to work on flexibility and acceptance. So... We went through the siblings. We what went through about, everybody, child. <laughs> what about Will? <sighs> okay. Did you diagnose Will? I gave him a V code. I mean, I was going to give him narcissistic personality disorder. 
I mean, but the show is around him. And I mean, it does make sense that everything is focused and he expects things to be focused on him. But I gave him a V code, V61, that eight, um, upbringing away from parents. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess I could have given more, but that was that was it. I, I everyone might hate me, but as the show went on, rewatching it again, I was like, Will is a creep. Right? This is this is borderline like toxic behavior. He yeah. he faked a marriage to try to have sex with a teenage girl. <laughs> you know, I never thought about it that way. <laughs> That's disturbing. Can't fault him. It was the writers. End of discussion. Oh, okay. That's how we want to go about it. So then the writers made him a trash human being. Indeed. <laughs> um, and so with that, I diagnosed him with histrionic personality disorder. Um, I see that. So the criteria that I felt that he uh, displayed was the being uncomfortable in situations in which he or she is not the center of attention. There were like, even when he was like, I could do that. I could fan bay. I could, I could do something. Like mm-hmm. whenever it wasn't about him, he tried to interject in some way that he was just is equally involved. Um, oh, or the when a girl says, excuse me, what's a nine letter word for terrific? Will Smith. <laughs> That's easy. Will Smith. Like, really? <laughs> His pickup lines were the worst. Trash. Trash. Okay. <laughs> Which like- leads me right into uh, his interaction with others being often characteri- characterized by inappropriate, sexually seductive, mm-hmm. or provocative behavior. Like, you are just meeting these ladies. Why are you saying these gross, weird things yes. to them, sir? And like barking at one of them or just like, just being <sighs> that aggressive. Especially that episode where Ashley felt like she had to change her style because seeing Will act crazy with these girls. And he has this moment where he kind of, you know, does his little <laughs> monologue. And he's like, nah, shines on him. Yeah. Will. <laughs> but the end of it, the, the <laughs> girl, I know your feet must be tired because you've been running through my mind all day. Come here, girl. Right. <laughs> wasn't even looking at you, Russ. She wasn't even looking at you. Ugh. <laughs> displays rapidly shifting and shallow emotion expression of emotions all throughout uh consistently uses uh physical appearance to draw attention to self where he's like "Woo! somebody called the police because it's got to be a crime to look this good yes (laughs) (laughs) so into himself (laughs) has a style of speech that is expressively impressionistic and lacking in detail Shows self-dramatization, theatricality, and exaggerated expression of emotion. All just of all throughout. Episodes. Yes. All of them. Every episode. single one. <laughs> <laughs> Considers relationships to be more intimate than they actually are. Like, he was calling doctors by their first name. Mm. Just doing, like, he was just, I mean, the second that, that he met Jeffrey, he started calling him G. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the one that I wasn't sure about, but I kind of felt like, yeah, maybe is suggestible, easily influenced by others or circumstances. And I felt like Jazz had him doing all types of stuff. Carlton had him walking into Jaja Gabor's house and putting his, her silverware in his drawers. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
I guess you know. <laughs> to people with histrionic personality disorder, a lot of times it's not enough to be loved by family and friends. They must be loved by everybody. And mm -hmm. so it did seem like he was always trying to get approval or get everybody on his side. And that often comes because of unresolved issues with feeling. Well, for me, I think that that became from his unresolved issues with uh, the feeling that his father never loved him. And so it, he, it then became his mission to get everyone around him to love him. To love him. Mm -hmm. And yeah. for him, with his, like, uh, I guess, progression through identity versus role confusion, I felt like he did not meet those milestones. And he was not sure of who he was. Um, especially, I feel like the whole show ends with Will really not knowing where he about to go, not knowing what he about mm -hmm. to do with with everybody leaving and going off and doing things and him not really being sure, him lying, saying that he had an apartment at first and didn't. Um, mm -hmm. And so the show still kind of ends with him still not knowing exactly who he is. And I wonder if any of that is tied to, um, like you said, the growing up away from his, his actual his parent. Mm -hmm. And if that um, kind of shifts in lifestyle kind of messed with his ability to identify who he exactly he was because right. he had um, gone through such polar opposites of existence in such a short amount of time. Um, I wonder if he, if he, well, maybe he did, but it seemed like he was at one point wanting to go back to Philly and then learning about all the, the bad things that were happening to the people in his community and feeling like, I don't really have a place to go back to as much as I, I love being from Philly and want to go back. I don't really have a lot to look forward to going back there. So feeling kind of lost in what what direction he needed to go, because clearly he couldn't stay where he was. But it also found comfort in going back to where he was, where he came from. But there was also um, issues with doing that. So, yeah, I feel like he was just really confused about what to do in his next step. But if Will was my client, I would possibly do some psychodynamic work with him to analyze that parent relationship that he has. Because not only is, does he have like the uh, obvious issues with his father, but also he has some serious issues with his mom, too. And like when she was dating Robert, oh, yeah. he was like, please don't go away and marry that man, Robert. Please just love me, mom. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Poor thing. Um, but many with um, histrionic personality disorder do not commit to therapy long. So I will have to possibly do more like behavioral therapy to help him identify and participate in new, like healthier activities to meet his needs. Um, and maybe setting some goals to recognize how his current behavior is preventing him from achieving long-term success in his personal relationships. And by setting like small, realistic, short-term goals to help him more so establish his own sense of identity. So like, what are the little things that we could start doing now to help you figure out, you know, where you want to go next, doing stuff like that. And I wonder, because there were a lot of times where I was like, is Will acting or is this Will's real personality? I wonder if like Will Smith, the person, has any diagnosis. Well, you know, the trivia on our beloved IMDB website <laughs> says, <laughs> contrary to... Um, his self-confident, charismatic type of personality as uh, Will Smith, he was actually shy and awkward as a teen. But he was shy and awkward as a teen. He was the Fresh Prince as a teen. He was on tour with LL Cool J at 16. But you have to realize, even though some of these stars or uh, entertainers, they 
put on, it's a persona. It's not who they really are, which is why they say the industry is full of fake people. Because here you have rappers who claim that they've been shoot them up, bang, bang, and haven't even Ooh. touched a gun a day in their Ooh. life. Ooh. Well then, all right. So I feel like that might've been Will, but playing the character and the role so much might have boosted his confidence and his self-esteem. And he Is that what turned him into a diva? On. And took it on like, like, oh, this is who I am. I am the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And so that might have kind of blew his head up a little bit. Not a little, a lot of it, because this was a huge production. He was a huge name, a household name at that time. And still is, still is, right? So I feel like, yes. Did the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, like, increase and boost his confidence? Absolutely, 100%. But I don't think that that's who he really was at his core when he first started. Agreed. <laughs> is there anything else we need to say in this episode? <laughs> I think we covered a lot, child. <laughs> so... If you would like to support the show to help us get more content out to you all, you can visit our website and follow the support the show link to become a Patreon member or donate on our cash app. Now we're happy to get the kind of money that jingles, but we would rather the kind that folds. And if all else fails, you can always go to our website and support us by buying merch. As always, be sure to follow us on Instagram at the DSM podcast, and you can subscribe to our show wherever you get podcasts. While you're there, go ahead and leave us a comment because we are counselors and actually care about what you have to say. Until next time, y'all. Peace. Okay, bye, you cynicals. <laughs>